Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I would say for many in the sports world, it is Christmas Day. The, what, the third Thursday in March? Something along those lines. March 16th, the NCAA tournament officially gets underway today in many people's minds. As the first round games, we'll have four different sessions of four games each. And obviously tomorrow, the local flavor will begin. We've got to wait till tomorrow night, but Purdue knows their opponent, their coach. I don't know if he knows what he's actually saying out loud. And then Indiana will be one of the final games of round one coming up at 9.55 tomorrow night. Good Thursday morning to you. Kevin Bowen, Jake Query, and Mark Dykton. The Pacers are back in action tonight in Milwaukee to face a team that's absolutely owned them over their last 10 meetings. And of course... A good amount of free agency news to get to. And I guess we, we haven't really done this yet. I, we probably got to give out some picks, right? Yeah. And, and Kevin, some I think I've told thoughts, you, some like, numbers? the more that I... When I say I've done a couple of brackets, I'm not that guy that has like six brackets. I mean, like I sit there and I look at it and I write one out and then I'm like, eh, that doesn't look right. Uh, let me do that over. That can't be right. There, There's no team that if you pick them, you're like, yeah, that's that seems pretty clear. You know, every team, there there seems to be a path where they could be beaten very easily. Every team, there's also a path where you're like, yeah, you can talk yourself into them winning it, right? Yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing. I always use the strategy of think long, think wrong. So you just fill it that's, out. That's fair. And yeah. just go that way. No, that's, Otherwise, right. you're overthinking it. Yeah, I was pretty just... Took me two minutes, and then I'm just like, right, I'm not going to fret too much. I will say that we're not you know, basket. No one's watched every college basketball game, so well, you're not going to get it all right. You know, listening to David Padgett yesterday and him talking up Louisiana, I'm going with a Cinderella parlay today. You guys, you guys want to want to take part in this? Here okay? we go. Uh, all right. Gonna, how many how many Cinderellas did you pick? I got I'll tell you three what Cinderellas for today. Now, when you say Cinderella, you just mean winning today, right? Uh, Twelve and higher seed. I've got them all covering. I so think not it's lower, isn't it? I guess higher number, lower seed. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I also think it's a lower seed. I always struggle with uh, like with that. The, like if you're if you're watching channel twenty and you go to channel nineteen, did you go up or down on the channels? You go up one or down one? I think down one. See, I go up one. What do you? Maybe I'm just an optimist. Up I think that speaks volumes about our respect. You're going in a higher number direction, so I'd say you're going higher. Well, thank you, Mark. Yeah. What do we do on this program? We educate and entertain. I don't know what that has to do with anything, but we're, we're educating Kevin. I've got Charleston. Okay. Plus five and a half. Mm-hmm. I have got Louisiana plus, I think it was ten and a half last I saw. And my third. So this has to be a double digit seed, you're saying, right? Yeah, I've gone 12 or higher. Okay, okay. Uh, lower. The other one that I've gone with is where is it? Is it Colgate? Yeah, Colgate, the best three point shooting team in the tournament, thirteen and a half. They are. I didn't know that. So that's my Cinderella parlay. Okay. And three, this is just a cover. Just a cover. Three teams, and that's Did, what I will be rooting for. You here didn't on day get. One. You didn't get 
drawn in, I almost used a, a worse term, by the trendy Oral Roberts-Duke matchup? Yeah, I did not. I don't think Oral Roberts has really played anybody. The Summit League's got to be one of the worst conferences in college basketball. Do you have any of those seeds actually winning the game outright? Yeah, I have Louisiana and Charleston. Okay. Mm-hmm. Charleston, 31 wins on the year. Yeah, Char- but the only problem with Charleston... They play San Diego State. Guys, we watched the Mountain West team play last night. Boy. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw what Wyoming did last year in the playing game. The Mountain West has lost 10 straight NCAA tournament games. I hate to say this. If I'm looking at... And I don't know what the spread is. Kent State and Indiana. Mm-hmm. But it, that's not till tomorrow. But yes, I, I, I have Kent State beating IU. Do you really? Uh-huh. I got Same. Drake in the Sweet 16. Here's the one thing... I'll say about Kent State and Indiana. If you are in an office pool in Indianapolis, strategically speaking, you're better off picking Kent State. Because if they pull off that upset, you're going to be the only person in your office that picked it. Well, what if Unless you got you work a with bunch, a bunch of Purdue, Purdue fans? fans Come right? on now. Now, Tobin Anderson is the head coach for, is it Farley Dickinson or Fairley Dickinson? Fairley. Fairley Dickinson, right? Fairly. I would speak he, up, but he, my pronunciation skills have been... <laughs> Ridiculed. <laughs> he he fairly misspoke yesterday. I I want to play this a couple of times. I think most people probably heard it by now. This is Purdue's opponent, by the way, coming up Friday night. But this was after Fairly Dickinson defeated Texas Southern last night in the locker room with the CBS cameras there. And I think I don't know. It, I'm reading here where people are saying that he was simply m- misunderstood. I think he actually misspoke and didn't mean what it was that he said listen the second time this is in the locker room tobin anderson talking to his team yesterday hey, hey. i don't want this i don't want purdue to see this right i walked into breakfast this morning camp what did you say to me cam Mur- 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 the more i watch purdue the more i think we can beat him yes, yes, let's go shock the world let's go do this Hey, enjoy, enjoy this one. Enjoy this one. Be okay. humble, right? At the humble, very right? beginning, does he say, I don't want Purdue to see this, or does he say, I want Purdue to see this? I don't think he knew what the hell he was doing. I, I think, think he, said, he said, I think he said, I don't want, I, and then instead of saying, I don't want, he said, I don't want Purdue, I want Purdue to see this. Play it one more time. Just the beginning. Hey, hey, I don't want this, I want Purdue to see this, right? So I guess he does say, I don't want Purdue to see this, right? My favorite part was the be humble at the end after he just told the team that the more I watch Purdue, the more I think we can beat well, He stares directly in the camera, too. Like, uh, you guys aren't going to cut, right? Like, no, it's national And, and I'm looking in the locker room. I'm like, wait, is Tobin Anderson taller than everyone on his team? Well, that's the problem. What's Some of the nice? camera guys are taller than six, four, six, Dickinson five, six, six. is the smallest team in college basketball. They had seven guys score last night. The heights of those seven guys, 6'6", 6'6", 6'4", 6'3", 6'1", 5'9", and 5'8". That's going to be tough against Zach Eady, right? It is a pretty crazy story. They were 4-22 last year. Tobin Anderson was a Division II coach. Came over from, I think it was St. Thomas Aquinas, the D2 school. Brought some Division II players with him. Uh, like we talked about earlier in the week, they didn't even win their conference tournament. Merrimack beat them by one in their conference final. Merrimack is not eligible for the tournament because they made a recent transition from D2. Therefore, Fairley Dickinson gets in. I would say, and again, I, this game will be over by halftime, um, but if there is one strike fear in Purdue, uh, they have the highest press rate of any team in college basketball. 
So they press the highest amount. Correct, which makes sense considering how small they are. They have to do something right. to counter that. So, yes, they get up a ton of shots. I mean, hell, they shot nearly 33s last night, made 11 of them. Um, so, yeah, they're going to press a lot. I don't know what Tobin Anderson was, what he really meant there. I think I was a very energetic coach that was thrilled that they have won a tournament game, and the best part about it is they can just bus over to Columbus. Well, that's, that is true. Now, Nevada, on the other hand, uh, made a long trip out to Ohio, and then that they should make them bus back to Reno. Flight back, right? Yeah, the NCAA should take away the charter home and say, "Yeah, you're gonna have to bus back to Reno." 98 points scored by Arizona State. That is the most in play-in game history. So, as we talked about, 10 straight losses now for the Mountain West. Uh, can I entertain you guys in any day one? Because this is really day one. A uh, day one into tournament props. Sure. What do you got? The highest margin of victory, 37 and a half. We're going over or under? Under. Let's say over. Highest point total scored by one team, 99 and a half. Anybody get into 100? No. No. Under. Lowest point total scored by a team, 47 and a half. Under. Mm-hmm. Most points scored by a player in round one, 35 and a half. I'll go over. Yeah, I'll go over too. Probably Trace Jackson Davis. Now, this one is really interesting. Or Brandon to me. Miller. Um, and, and it takes a little bit of like thinking on it. Will a 14, 15, or 16 seed win in round one? So you get 12 chances four 14s, four 15s, four 16s. The odds on that, yes, is minus 220. Wow. That is a very heavy favorite. That a 14, 15, or 16 will win in round one. Yeah, I would take those odds. Do you right? think that happens every tournament? Yeah. There's always a 15 that wins, right? Is it really always a 15? Watch no. Vermont shock the world. The Catamounts? Yeah. Would Matthew storm the floor? That's Maine. Texted me earlier in the week, so big big Vermont fan. Oh, really? Yeah, I guess America East, you know, Brotherhood. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> SEC chants. All the New Englanders. No, that's not. Yes, it is. I excuse me. Who's been pulling the sound for yeah. these I, damn have mascots? We even given away Vermont. Yet? We don't no. have some numbers to give away. Should we? Should we begin with five YouTube numbers again? Yeah, why not? Sure. All right. YouTube chat. The cat yeah. sounds first rough five that haven't been given away already. As loyal as possible. Um, basically, guess higher numbers. Guess something in the mid thirties. Yeah, we've got plenty of those 50s. available. That's pretty much what we have available. Uh, Nate Atkins going to join us at 8.30 to talk Colts for agency. Don Fisher. I think Don Fisher's ever called the game from Albany? Uh, yeah, didn't he? Well, Indiana played. Bob Knight's last game was in Buffalo. Um, I, th- I want to say Indiana's been to Albany once before, haven't but they? But Albany's not close to Buffalo, right? No, but but I'm just, I always get those two confused for whatever reason. But I think the tournament, where did they, when Indiana one of those years that they either lost to St. John's or Connecticut. Were they in Albany? I do remember a loss somewhere in New York. Well, didn't they lose in the Carrier Dome one year? Was that Cleveland State? I should remember where the Cleveland State game was. It was a terrible memory. I, th- I think I might be right. Cleveland State, though, then played Syracuse, so I don't think I'd be right. Um yeah, that, that doesn't really check out then. Um, so Mark will write down five numbers from the YouTube chat. We'll give away five teams here early in the show. We'll continue to do that throughout the show. We'll give out 
our final four and take a little bit of a closer look at each of these regions. Colts news from yesterday. Matt Ryan officially cut. Backup quarterback market. It, it's starting to dry up a little bit. There was a carrier dome, by the way. Nice call in 86. So then they played Syracuse there? Impressive. That, that does sound No, right. you know, now that I think about it, Cleveland State might have beaten Navy after that and then beaten Syracuse in, or played Syracuse in the Sweet 16, maybe. But anyway, uh, good call. You know, backup quarterbacks. Andy Dalton's going to the Panthers. Jameis Winston back to the Saints. Jacoby Brissett to the Commanders. If you look at names still out there, Gardner Minshew, Marcus Mariota, Teddy Bridgewater. Is Chase Daniel still playing football? I think Chase Daniel's still around, right? Anybody entice you? Mary or uh, Minshew, probably the most obvious okay. considering the Shane Steichen. Allow thing. me to ask this, Kevin, because I thought about this this morning. In your opinion, the chances or odds that Indiana is, or excuse me, that Indianapolis is going to make a run at Lamar Jackson? Yeah, I, I, I still think it's something I want to chat with Nate Atkins about because I know he's looked pretty in-depth at this. I, I would be somewhat surprised. Um, Jake, this is going to sound a bit weird. I think Jim Irsay is on the poorer side of NFL owners. And I think Jim Irsay has a very staunch history in the NFL. And I don't think he's a fan of what happened with Deshaun Watson in Cleveland last year. And I don't think he wants to hand out a guaranteed contract up front like that. Now, if Lamar Jackson brings his desire or his, you know, okay, maybe it's down to three years, possibly the Colts could get involved in that. But I don't think Jim Irsay is just Stan Kroenke and just going to hand him all this guaranteed okay, money up front. Then that segues into another question for you. And I'm not even asking this rhetorically. I'm not trying to lead you or the people listening into an answer, but I'm genuinely curious. If there's any way, shape, or form, insinuation, or assumption by the fan base that the only thing holding the Colts back from getting Lamar Jackson is the perception of frugality of the owner, then does the offseason of parading around the riches of which he has purchased things over the last year rub people the wrong way? Yeah, it, it, it could and, and potentially should, I guess. Um, you know. I'm not going to pretend to know how much the Ursay collection is contributing financially to, you know, removing funds that could be used for his football Penny, team. Pennies on the dollar, right? I yeah. Mean. So I don't. Again, I don't know that. I think it's more of just. I thought the all chips in thing was so overblown last year. I thought Jim Ursay meant it much more of Carson Wentz was not all in on this football team, and that's what I mean by it. Um, and obviously, that just t- took on a firestorm. I don't think Ursay realized when he said it how much it would blow up. Um, and I just don't think the Colts have been in a position to make these sort of moves. And we've talked about it with the Carolina trade last week. We talked about it last year, whether they wanted to get involved with Tyreek Hill or Devontae Adams or Watson or Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson, whoever. Um, so I, I, that is the first question I've had about Lamar Jackson. And the second question, Jake, is you're also committing a whole lot of money to a guy that's missed nearly a third of games played the last two years, missed critical games late in the season, which again, I think that, is something that should be emphasized a little bit more. This is not a guy that is missing a game in September or October. This is a guy that the wear and tear of a season has caused him to miss December and January football. And if I'm paying you a guaranteed contract in the triple digits, I need you out there for the most important games of the season and not have Tyler Huntley out there in playoff games. The 
Kevin, my point being, if they're not going after Lamar Jackson, then that means that next year, to your point, what we're talking about here, somebody tweeted this to us, is that the majority of Colts snaps at quarterback next year would be most likely taken by Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, Sam Ellinger, I guess you could still say Nick Foles realistically, not not maybe realistically, but logistically, or Gardner Menshew, or... I, yeah, I, Mariota, I yeah. Marcus Mariota. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater. Are, are people ready for that? Well, you know, it's... The rookie, maybe, right? I think it's a discussion we had yesterday a bit. You know, it, how public are you going to be in the 2023 outlook. I think the Stephon Gilmore move is one of those moves that gives you a little bit of intel into what the Colts are thinking for this coming season. But Jake, you know, welcome to life in the NFL for 80% of franchises. At some point, you're starting a Levis or a Richardson, and you're hoping. You're hoping for development. You're hoping for the bright lights not being too big for that guy, and you're going to have to live with some growing pains. Mark's franchise has had to do that a whole lot, especially here in the last couple of years with Justin Fields in particular. This is reality. Tennessee, Houston, Jacksonville have all, all gone through it. Uh, we've been very fortunate that Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning, and, and Peyton certainly had growing pains his first year, but you didn't have to live with that too long. Andrew Luck was 11 wins each of the first three seasons. Um, but, you know, I, I think about this with, with the Pacers, Jake. The Pacers are on track to win how many games? 35? Yeah. They got like 13 to go, 14 to go, something like that. Jake, that would be the second fewest games that franchise has won in a dozen years. Yet, you go to games, you see people in public. Jake, when I see people in public right now, they are thrilled about the Pacers. Yeah. They are Because joyous. they were transparent, right? So, to me, it's a reminder of, I think if you provide hope and you are up front with your plans, people can live with a season where the win total is not at the level that we're used to in this city. Last year, you didn't expect to go 4-12-1, and and that adds to how sour of a taste and embarrassing of a season right. it was last year. So I, I know it's kind of easy just to compare the two major professional sports teams in a market, but I do think there are some comparisons of if a Levis or a Richardson – can even sniff what, and again, Halliburton has set such a high bar, but can provide that 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 grain of hope, I think you can have a fan base that can live with this a little bit. So I guess another question would be this. In, in your opinion, Kevin, your observation, because you've been around it a decent amount, as have I in terms of covering the Colts, but you know, you've, you've worked inside the building. I mean, do you believe that Jim Irsay – is disappointed in last year because he thought I mean everyone's disappointed in a 4-12 in one season. But do you think that disappointment from Jim Irsay is slightly softened by the fact that Jim Irsay believes they're closer than they actually are? Do you think he thinks like, well, yeah, we had a disappointing year but we're just a couple of players away when in fact they're not. Yeah, I I I think he's been hit with a dose of reality. Especially at that position. That being quarterback. But, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see the rest of the month play out. Um, Again, a little bit of cap space to work with with the Matt Ryan deal official. They did sign Taven Bryant, former first-round pick, defensive tackle, 
Defensive tackle depth, I think, was an issue last year. Brian has certainly not lived up the first-round hype by any means, but um, I do think their defensive line grouping, kind of six or seven guys right now, on paper, that is a pretty solid group. And, and I know that as of Thursday morning, Paris Campbell is probably the biggest name unsigned yet for the Colts. We've seen the receiver market play out. I don't know how many people think this, but I want to make it very clear. Just because they brought back Ashton Doolin does not mean for one second that should impact their opinion on Paris Campbell. Right. Ashton Doolin's a really nice fourth down player and can maybe help you out a little bit as a fifth wideout. In no way, shape, or form should he be taking Paris Campbell-type snaps at receiver. So plenty to get to on that front. Mark Dykton has been busy in the YouTube chat handing out numbers. Mark, you look like you just ran a marathon. Well, we've got... Let me just say, the five people that got numbers that picked, they've got some heavy hitters. We've probably got our best five coming off the wow. board right now. Really? Right. The best, right. the five best teams that we've given away okay. are coming off right so now. So who is our first, the first YouTuber? And this was, again, the, the numbers that came up first that haven't been chosen already. Now, so let, me, let me reiterate, $100 to Jay's Lobster at the garage here in downtown. Talked to my mother-in-law last night, loves Jay's Lobster. Yeah, fabulous place, right? You get dinner for $100 if you are the grand national champion. If you have the double-digit seed to advance the furthest, $50. Also $50 to the team who gets blown out by the largest margin. You said grand national champion. I thought it was like the state fair. You got a blue ribbon right there. So the first number we gave away was was to Inside the Horseshoe podcast. Whoa. And let me just say, they might want to dance in the streets. Number 62 is Number who they took. 62. Okay. Do we have a name, or are we just going inside? I, I, I don't know. That's what the YouTube handle okay. is. Okay. All right. All right. Um, I'd say this one should be pretty happy. Jake, a team that's been talked about a lot, not on just ESPN, but I would say on ABC News and CBS the News. The number one and- overall seed in the tournament with probably certainly the most polarizing but talented player in the tournament. The Crimson Tide of Alabama. Roll Tide, Alabama. That sounded beautiful. Thank you. That was good. Uh, All right, who's next, Mark? Austin Stigler, selected number 64. Austin Stigler. A local team. Austin, your name might say that you are from Texas, but your team and your city indicate that you are, in fact... Curious about the sound, Mark. Indiana. Let's kick some ass. The Hoosiers off the board. Just picturing him in a cold Albany hotel room, <laughs> sending out cameos to pass the time. That's right. Nine fifty-five tip on Friday. Next night. off the board again. You told them to go high. They went high. Alan Floyd took number sixty-three. Sixty-three for Allen. They are favored in round one. I've got them winning in round one. uh, Con Smith was a former Indiana assistant that took the head coaching job at this place where they do the We Believe That We Will Win chant on a regular basis, Utah State. Do not get it. Very good. The Book of Mormon from the Utah State. I was like, aren't Come they the on, Aggies? Jake. I expected I, the better. The first thing I I thought I was going to hear. Hello, my name is Elder. Well, Price. that's that song. Yeah. But yeah. No. Now again, took me a the Mountain West has lost ten straight. That was solid, games. Mark. Thank Kudos. you. That was one of my more proud ones. Okay. Uh, who we have like two left? Yeah. Brandon Reef took number fifty-seven. Number 57 for Brandon. Brandon, this school came hey, to... Hey, snip, snip for me. This is this is my this is my snip snippers. Brandon, this school came to Indianapolis in 1997, and Miles Simon led him to the title. The Pac-12 tournament champion, Arizona Wildcats. 
Come on. These are some heavy hitters. That's right. my pick. Mm-hmm. Another big one coming off the board in just a sec. Uh, Uncouth took number 53. Man. I didn't. I wasn't messing around. Just right there. Boom. Purdue and Indiana off the board. I, I kind of feel like we should have used some of these for people that called in, but that's okay. Make it four Boilermakers. Whatever you want, sir. I'll have the waitress bring it over immediately. <laughs> well done. The Purdue Boilermakers, the Indiana Hoosiers, Alabama Crimson Tide, Utah State, Arizona, all off wow. the board. I wasn't kidding. That well, Hey, you know what? The YouTube audience is loyal. They, they are, are faithful. They deserve that. We've got, what, a dozen-ish numbers left? A little more than that? I'm trying to look at the blanks here. About 15? So we'll give those away throughout the rest of the show. Again, Nate Atkins at 8.30. Talk some Colts free agency. Coming up at 9 o'clock, Don Fisher. He is out Albany in open practice for the Hoosiers today before their tip with Kent State coming up late on Friday night. Supposed to be a little bit warmer. Did I see rain? I saw rain tomorrow for St. Patrick's Day, which just kind of stinks. Yeah, it's going to be like 45 and raining all day. Yeah. No thanks. And again, Kevin's tomorrow, bringing in well, some green PBR tomorrow, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. That's was, not a bad call. I was going to say. Is this a Friday ritual here, Mark? Are you trying it to get me fired? Be. Yeah. Um, whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You are listening to Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Awesome. He got it! Where's the moon? Hit your eye. Like a man. Pizza pie. Pizza Talk about your Psalms. Talk about John 316. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Give me a hell yeah. Sometimes I feel like you're overly proud of yourself. I am overly proud of myself. Mark's had a really strong first 45 minutes. Happy Austin 316 day for all if you to celebrate. teams in the bracket have the type of first half Mark Dykton's had, you'll have a big lead at halftime. How about today? the fact that Austin got Indiana in our numbers game? Telling you, that might be the strongest five we give away. The strongest group we give away all day. Uh, NCAA tournament gets rocking and rolling full throttle this afternoon. Good morning to you. 15 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock. Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen and Mark Dykton here as well as you could hear. And this is, Kevin, to me, and I think it's because it there was something so magical as a kid about the opening day of the NCAA tournament, partially because Indiana and Purdue, in my childhood, Indiana and Purdue, I mean, for both of them to be top one, two, three, four seeds was really pretty common. And so, I mean, this sounds crazy, but I remember, like you mentioned, Indiana and Cleveland State in 86. That was... Uh, that might have even been the twelve thirty game on Thursday, either Thursday or Friday. 
But it, it was one of the first games of the tournament, certainly of the day in which it was played. And they they rolled a TV in to my class at Eastwood Middle School. That's how big a deal like those things were back then. And we watched in school. We watched the tournament. We watched Indiana get beat by Cleveland State. Couldn't believe what was happening. Uh, Purdue that year got knocked out by Dwayne Shinsis in Florida. Then in 87, Indiana, of course, won the national championship. Actually, I think 87 was the year that, that Purdue was knocked out by Florida. But there is a, a childhood nostalgia for me about today, Kevin. I love it. I love yeah. everything about it. Yeah, my first kind of vivid school tournament memory, I probably was a fifth grader at Cherry Tree Elementary. And uh, I think Butler-Wake Forest, Jake, was the first game of the tournament. And... Darnell Archie and company just shot the hell out of it, and they ran Wake off the floor. They yeah. were up 30 at halftime and beat Wake Forest. So this is a day that, yeah, you just absolutely love. The early slate, uh, West Virginia and Maryland. So Bob Huggins, um, they've steamed and they've pressed the windbreaker. He's ready to go. 12-15 tip there of Virginia and Furman. Furman, a popular upset pick there at 12-40. Missouri and Utah State at 140, and then Kansas and Howard at 2 o'clock. So that is the early slate of games today. We haven't really looked too closely, I guess, like at the regions itself. Um, I guess let's start top left. South region, the number one overall seed. Uh, care to venture to guess the last time the number one overall seeds won it all? Boy, that's a great question. The last number one, the, the number one overall seed in the tournament, right? Correct. Now, Alabama's that this year. Okay. I'm going to show, let me ask two disclaimers here. When did they, have they always declared who the number one overall seed is? That's a good question. That's where I rely on your brain. Um, I don't, part of me says no, but you would know better than I. Because it seems like the first time that I ever started hearing that was like in the 2010s. Yeah. But I know Louisville was the number one overall seed when they won it. Correct. Notre Dame beat them in five overtimes, by the way, that year. Mike oh, really? Gray's finest moment. Uh, yeah, in South Bend. Great game. Uh, almost stormed the floor. But Is that I why you're wearing your T-shirt? Well, yeah. And then you know, the Lady Irish have got Southern Utah coming up on Sunday. Okay. Neil Ivy, uh, Olivia Miles, their All-American, could be out. So uh, we're going to have to kind of scrap a little bit here early on. Yes, Louisville in 2013, the last time number one overall seed has won it all. I like Arizona. That's my pick to win it all. They are the two-seed in this bracket, I think a couple things to note in this region for those that are really going to get into the nitty gritty of it. San Diego State, we've talked about the Mountain West issues in the tournament. San Diego State, they are the five seed. Charleston's a 12. San Diego State is playing or in Orlando today. That's quite the trip. Probably the longest travel of any team in the tournament, um, or at least right up there with like St. Mary's to Albany. Um, the other thing to note, Missouri, that's they've got a long, long travel out to Sacramento to take on Utah State. And a team that I feel like is kind of sneaky is Creighton. I could see that. As the sixth seed. Let me give you, there There are two teams that always, when the Sweet 16 comes out, more often than not, in that four-day period between rounds when you're getting set for the Sweet 16, there are usually three storylines. The first storyline is the dominant team that has just been playing like a house of fire that everybody knew was going to be good. You know, Alabama, Purdue, whatever. There are always, always 
Mark my words, sure is the fact that today is Thursday. There are always two teams in the Sweet 16 that meet the following criteria. One is a double-digit Cinderella story from a small school. You know, a, a, a St. Mary's, a Cleveland State, an Oral Roberts. And then one is always a team that was from a power conference that had double-digit losses that everybody bemoaned them getting into the tournament, and then the story becomes, see, now they're proving the doubters wrong. I think Wisconsin's been that team a few times. Oregon State was that team a few years ago. North Carolina State fits that for me. So they're an 11, taking on Creighton. And they are taking on Creighton. In round one. Uh, you go down to that east region. So this is Purdue's region. They'll be in Columbus for the first two rounds. If they advance, they'd go to Madison Square Garden. Um, Purdue has already beaten the two-seed in Marquette. They've beaten the five-seed in Duke. A really interesting first-round matchup. Six-seed Kentucky against 11-seed Providence. Yeah. Ed mm-hmm. Cooley's name has been floated around for the Georgetown job pretty heavily. How about this? Providence's leading scorer, Bryce Hopkins, a Kentucky transfer. That's some juice. Yeah. Kentucky, again, a, a, another, a team that every year has like three five-star recruits, and it's a matter of whether they gel together or whether or not it's a year where they're still working on things. Yeah, one of those years they made the Final Four is what, like an eight seed? Yeah. How far do you guys have Marquette going? Pretty far. by Almost by default. Yeah, they're in my uh, Elite Eight. See, I think USC, Michigan State, I think USC is going to beat Michigan State. I don't have anything to like base that on other than Michigan State. Tom Izzo, for as much as Tom Izzo very understandably and rightly so gets credit for being the coach in March, Michigan State is also a team. They either make a deep run or they could beat in the first round, right? How about this on Marquette? Shaka Smart has not won a game in the tournament since 2013. That's surprising. But that's why he's not a Texas anymore, right? Now, I'll tell you one that, that that you mentioned, Kevin. You were on this early. Auburn playing in Birmingham, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that flips up to the Midwest region. So, this is Houston as the number one seed. This is the Indiana region. But, yeah, Jake, Auburn. I think Auburn's a slight favorite in that first-round matchup with Iowa. And that's in Birmingham, as you said. Now, you're looking more ahead at that second-round game, Houston-Auburn? Auburn, I think Auburn can make some. Houston's Houston's a little banged up, man. Yeah, Marcus Sasser, their best player, an All-American guard for Houston, is a game-time decision with a groin injury. Again, this is the injury region. Houston's got an injury. Texas, the two-seed, has got an injury. Xavier's big guy is out for the season. You know, Indiana, of course, with Xavier Johnson. Miami is the five-seed. Their big guy's banged up, so... Uh, the first five seed, the top five seeds in this Midwest region, all of them have some injury questions. The team that I like in this region is who Micah Shrewsbury and Penn State will see in round one, and that's Texas A&M. I think Buzz Williams is a really good coach. I think Micah Shrewsbury is a really good coach, though. Sure. And Penn State has not one but two guards that if they catch lightning, they could be really good, right? What are you guys doing, Drake, Miami? I've got Drake winning. I've got Drake in my Sweet 16. Yeah, Drake's had a lot of Miami games, didn't he? Raptors games, right? a solid reference by you. Thank you. I thought thought he's north of the border. I thought he was He is north of the border. He's whoever... Are you thinking of Pitbull? No, but but I will will guarantee you 
okay? As sure as the fact that I am 50 years old and lame, I will guarantee you that there are photos of Drake on the sidelines of a Miami Heat game during the LeBron era. Oh, I'm sure. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. Uh, that bottom right region, the west region, this is the, I think most people would call this um, the loaded region. Kansas, UCLA, Gonzaga, UConn, St. Mary's of the top 11 teams in those efficiency Ken Palm rankings, five of them reside in this West region. Guys, this is my uh, this is my I guess the one Final Four kind of upsetty team. I've got UConn coming out of this region. I don't think that's crazy. I think I've got UConn in hey, the national title game. Let me after watching Arizona State last night, I'm like, could they upset TCU? Well, don't you typically see the play-in winner? Yes, they like they, they get the jump-started, right? Yeah. The, I mean, last year's Notre Dame, one of the two 11 seeds typically win that one, round one game. And you like Arkansas, Jake. You, you're right? I think Arkansas could defeat Kansas. Kansas is really good. Is Arkansas beating Illinois in round one? Well, that's, I mean, that's also probably a 50-50 game. But Arkansas, Arkansas is a team that started out the year in the top 10. They've been really banged up. They have a couple of lottery-type players. Yeah, Nick Smith, the guard. They just haven't been healthy. I didn't realize this. Uh, can you guys name the two? Well, it's probably obvious. Can you name the two teams that have been to back-to-back Elite Eights? Gonzaga? Hold on. Back-to-back Baylor? I can't remember what Baylor did last year. Houston and Arkansas. Hmm. Really? I forgot during the COVID tournament, Arkansas was in the Elite Eight. What about Gonzaga-UCLA? JMV's got Gonzaga going all the way, you said. You know what, Gonzaga? I, I don't think that's crazy. I think this would be the year... Um, Gonzaga's in my national title. Really? Mm-hmm. Th- this would be the kind of year where Gonzaga would finally kind of break through and and, and win, right? And win it because no one's talked about. I think a lot Just of keep people keep knocking got, on the door, keep throwing darts at the dartboard. Eventually, well, and and they didn't start out great this year. You know, they got blown out by Purdue and they got beat by St. Mary's a couple times, and then it kind of all came together for them. And I think they've been pretty good. Uh, my final four, Arizona, Purdue, Houston, and UConn. Arizona beating UConn for the national title. Boy, that's... What do you guys got? Here's the thing, Kevin. Like, I want to say that that's random, but this whole tournament is random. Every time I do it, I'm like, like I had UCLA going far, and I'm like, I don't know. They're banged up. Can UCLA really go that far? And then uh, this is one of those years where you probably are just better going with chalk and just taking your, your chances, right? But again, nine straight tournaments, guys. A, seat, a team seated five or lower have made the Final Four. And the closest I'm getting to that is UConn. UConn's a four seed. Give me UCLA, Texas, Marquette, and Alabama. Okay. And Alabama over, uh, I'm going to say Texas. I that's interesting, Jake. You and I probably have a very similar lead eight, and then we're reversed, like in all those matchups. I've got Arizona over Alabama. I've got Purdue over Marquette. I've got UConn over. I think Purdue's going to struggle. If if you are a fan of Purdue, I think you want to face Florida Atlantic. I don't think you want even face though they Memphis. have the big guy, even though they have the seven one, two hundred and forty pounder. I just think Memphis's. I think Memphis runs you runs you frantic. I, I, I would not want to face I think Memphis is a – I know they're the Tigers. It's a tiger by the tail, man. Mark, your final four. I've got Alabama, Duke, Texas, Gonzaga, and Alabama beating Gonzaga in the national title. 
Again, our bracket challenge, you can find that Kevin and Query Twitter page there for the link to ESPN. We'll continue to give away some numbers. We've got 15 to go, so we'll do that here throughout the rest of the show. Nate Atkins at 8.30 to talk Colts free agency. Don Fisher, voice of the Hoosiers, coming up at 9. Good Christmas morning to a lot of people out there. NCAA tournament, I think, officially gets underway 12.15 today. We'll chat about it all day long here on The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Past eight on a Thursday, opening day NCAA tournament. Kevin had said earlier this morning it feels like Christmas. It kind of did outside as well, Kevin, right? Yeah, a little chilly start. I think it's supposed to be into the 50s today, but some rain in the forecast, unfortunately, not only today, but tomorrow for St. Patrick's Day. Uh, Colts-wise, yesterday, a little bit on the quieter front. I guess they re-signed Tony Brown, a special team corner. He played the second most special team snaps to EJ Speed last year. Real quick, if you're doing any uh, St. Patrick's Day festivities, the dying of the canal has been moved to 11 a.m. because of... uh Today, inclement weather. Yeah, I thought I saw that they. It was supposed to be like in the evening, and now it's going to be okay, so 11 a.m. So if you're planning to go, get ready. Yeah, again, kind of some ugly weather, and which is disappointing. Um, I know JMB's off site. I think he's up at Bottle Works, I believe today, actually. Um, but certainly wish from a parade standpoint to be better weather for tomorrow. Let's head to the Payless Liquors Hotline. We'll get more into the Colts' free agency with our next guest, Nate Atkins. Nate, before we get started, let's get a Final Four out of you. Oh, man. You know, I actually am just getting the bracket right after we do this, so I'm a little behind on that. (laughs) Are you just looking in depth, or are we just a procrastination? I have not looked at it at all. So that's where we are in free agency right now. So I'm not quite there. I will say, uh, I mean, I'm hoping that I'm hoping Mizzou can make it. I don't think they will, but uh, that's where I went to school, and it would be nice to see them win a tournament game for the first time since I went to school. Um, So that's what I'm hoping for, but... Yeah, I'm not there yet on a Final Four, unfortunately. 140 tip for the Mizzou Tigers today. They take on Utah State in Sacramento. All right, Nate, um, let's start here. I, I you know, Backup quarterback, I feel like, is kind of high on the list of needs the Colts have this offseason. Uh, that market has dried up just a little bit. Gardner Minshew, Marcus Mariota, Teddy Bridgewater, any of those names you like and any of those names that I'm forgetting that you would add to the list? I think that's kind of the market there. Uh, you know, I always thought that Gardner Minshew was the most likely option just because of his familiarity with Shane Steichen and the fact that that's a guy that uh, maybe you could sell on a situation like they have right now, which is kind of unique where they certainly need a veteran. They need 
uh, you know, the idea of a bridge quarterback, but there's also the expectation that they're most likely going to draft somebody, you know, at number four or possibly at number three. And it's just a lot up in the air. You know, if they go, you know, if they go a certain route with like an Anthony Richardson out of Florida, there's an opportunity for a guy to play some this year. But, you know, if it's, you know, or, or you could decide to play him earlier, or if they go with like a Will Levis, you know, maybe they, maybe they start him from the jump. It's, Guys who are signing in free agency right now, they're trying, quarterbacks in general are trying to go where they think they have a chance to play. You know, Jacoby Brissett just signed with, uh, with Washington because right now they've got Sam Howell, but they don't really have anything else. They don't have a real lane to a quarterback quite yet. So that's an easier situation to, to kind of bank on. And then the culture in that same spot is how much do you pay for that position, uh, weighing it up against, you know, how much they're going to start. I think a guy like Geno Smith is going to, uh, force more quarterbacks to just be patient in the sense of just get a chance to play and see what you can do. And who knows, uh, Geno Smith went like 10 years in this league where everyone thought he was a backup. Then he has a year and a half with Seattle and all of a sudden, you know, he's making 25 million a year now. So there's going to be guys who want to do that. It's the trick of trying to sign a guy before free agency. Uh, there's someone like Marcus Mariota that I know they're interested in and would, would really fit nicely as a sort of mobile bridge quarterback. The issue, though, is he just did that last year in Atlanta, and it got awkward at times, uh, the, the dance with Desmond Ritter and when he was going to play, and uh didn't seem like Marcus entirely loved that situation. So would he want to go down that road again, or does he have options? It's all kind of up in the air, but I would guess that Gardner Minshew, who's been a backup kind of his entire time outside of uh, kind of one one year filling in as for Nick Foles in in Jacksonville. I think he's a guy that could have the trust with the coaching staff and kind of understand that that's most likely what he is anyway, and may not have other options. He might go that route, and that's that's probably where I would go with it. But uh, th- those are kind of the the guys in the market, I think, for them. Nate, as you are getting ready to look at your NCAA bracket, what you see obviously is that in any region, the one seed is thought to be the most certain to advance to the Final Four. The 16 seed is the least likely to win games in advance. The Colts pursuing Lamar Jackson, you would seed that in likelihood as what? Uh, I would probably seed them as like a, I don't know, maybe like a 12 seed. Okay. You know, like that sneaky 12 seed that could pull the upset. Uh, but is it likely? Um, I think it's more likely than people... Uh, I don't know that enough people are talking about it. Actually, I think it's I think it has some legs to it because of the situation that they're in, where you know the Carolina Panthers trade up to number one, so they know they're not getting the top quarterback. They know they're not getting the second quarterback if the Texans want to take it or want to trade because they're not trading with the Colts. So all of a sudden, they have the Colts have to be open to you know to quarterbacks down the board or other possibilities and it's it's just an interesting spot to be in because you could look to next year where there's Caleb Williams and Drake May and it's considered a stronger class but you know can they really put this off for a year or you could look to Lamar Jackson where what's interesting there is if you just measure that that possibility up with uh with what the Panthers did at number one the Panthers you know to, to have beaten the Panthers to go to number one the Colts probably have to offer three first round picks to get Lamar Jackson, the price is two first-round picks, plus the big salary that he's looking for. So you could absolutely talk yourself into that being the smart move if you can get him to agree to a deal and if uh, if the Ravens let him walk. I think it's more, 
you know, the, the only route that they would have to really pull that off, I think, is if they can convince Lamar Jackson to, uh, to take a short-term deal because he wants guaranteed money. The way that NFL contracts work is that uh, teams have to put guarantees into an escrow account up front. So if, if he wants $250 million guaranteed, it has to go into an escrow account right now. And that's something owners struggle with, something Jim Irsay would struggle with. If a team can sell him on a shorter term deal, or maybe it's you know 150 million or less, uh, if they can come up with that kind of cash and convince him to sign another deal when he's 29 years old in three years, I think that is the best route for him. And it's one of these where I think I think the Ravens might consider letting him walk, depending on what that ends up looking like. Obviously, they've tried to sign him, so there's some deal that I think they'll be open to, but. They open this door to where, at some point, a team can offer them something they can't match. And so they're looking into the possibility of moving on for two first-round picks. They're, there's not a team that has a better one that could look for a quarterback right now uh, that I think would feasibly go down this road than the Colts. It's the number four pick. And if the Ravens are considering a reset there, if they're, if they're a little worn down by this and they, they're thinking about it, just moving on, the number four pick and, and possibly going after someone like Anthony Richardson and dropping him into a team like that uh, could make some sense for them too. So I think there's a route to do it. It's, it's an uphill battle still because you have to, you know, he, he has not moved off the idea of a long-term uh, fully guaranteed deal. And, you know, the, obviously the Colts have to, they have to get on board with the idea of another veteran quarterback, even though this one is 26 years old, but he has had the injury uh, issues 10 games missed in the past two years you have to kind of get through but I actually think that a football you know football fit the culture one of the best out there for Lamar Jackson in terms of finding a way to extend his career if they can sell him on you know having a bell cow running back in Jonathan Taylor having a pass game scheme by Shane Steichen you know with some of these uh, you know Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce are better wide receivers than really he's ever really played with outside of uh you know, he got Rashad Bateman last year, but he got hurt. So uh, the Ravens have never really put anything into making Lamar Jackson more of a passer to take some of the hits off. And I think that's the route that the Colts could pitch him. Uh, they just have to decide, you know, do they want to go down the route of a veteran, a highly paid veteran, a guy with some injury history. There's a lot to iron out here, but I think there's a world where you can absolutely talk yourself into this. Yeah, I thought you did a really nice job, Nate, laying out the pros and cons. I know that's up on Indy Star's website. The owner escrow account upfront money, that's probably the biggest question I have, non-Jackson like health-related with this whole situation. You brought up the fourth overall pick. And by the way, Nate Atkins, Indianapolis Star, does an outstanding job covering the Colts alongside Joel Erickson. They don't have to necessarily send the fourth overall pick to Baltimore, right? If they waited till after the draft, they could spend the fourth pick, the Colts themselves, and then they could send the 2024 and 2025 first-rounders to Baltimore? Yes, they could do it that way. Um, that kind of That's where it gets complicated, though, because you would you'd think that if they wait, you know, they... To put off quarterback this year would, would be quite a gamble. You'd have to know that you're going to get him. Right. And then, of course, point. Baltimore, you know, Baltimore, if they're going to move on from Lamar, if they're going to let a team do that and, and not match it, they're going to want to get their next quarterback. So they probably are more likely to do it for the number four pick this year than picks the next two years. Unless maybe, you know, especially since wherever Lamar goes, that team's going to be pretty good. They're not going to be in the Caleb Williams-Drake May race. So they could do it that way, but I think that's a harder route. 
Nate, when you look at the players that the Colts have already, you know, the areas that they've kind of shored up, they haven't made like a huge splash, obviously. We've seen them in the past do that. But, um, you know, I thought the trade, we talked about it yesterday, I thought the trade of sending out, and I get it, Stephon Gilmore, but I, th- I felt like that opened up another area of need because you can never have too many defensive backs. But what areas do you think is, if any, is there a position that we have not talked about enough that is a more glaring need for the Colts that they need to look heavily at here than what we have discussed? Well, what's interesting is I thought cornerback was already there before the Stephon Gilmore trade. It's interesting that they ended up doing that move because right now they, there is not much in the cupboard at all. You've got Kenny Moore and Isaiah Rogers who are both entering contract years Obviously, Gilmore's gone. They they let Brandon face on walk, and, and you need lots of cornerbacks. So they really don't have anything in the pipeline as far as guys that you would project to be future starters. You know, they signed Tony Brown back, but he's more of a special teams guy. Dallas Flowers is an undrafted second-year player. That's a special teams type player. So you could argue they need they could need three starting corners by next year. I think is likely where this is headed. Uh, maybe they re-sign Isaiah Rogers or, or Kenny Moore. So that's a need that, to me, is incredibly glaring for them. And it's one where it just makes sense to, to dress it in the draft. I guess that's the benefit of not trading up, is that you save some of these picks on day two to go and get some of them in what's a pretty good cornerback class. So I think that's the spot where uh, where they're definitely, you know, they're, they're definitely going to go after it. Uh, other than that, I mean, we've mostly hit on the other ones. It's interesting that they have not they've not signed an offensive player yet. Uh, I think that like that that just shows me that they're a bit held up on the direction. You know, the type of quarterback you go for, whether it's a veteran or a rookie, whether he's mobile, whether he's more of a pocket passer, that helps define everything else you want to put around him. And the fact that they haven't added anybody on that side of the ball. I think speaks to some of this indecision of why they're, you know, why they didn't trade up. Is I, I, there's a lot they're trying to iron out as far as what's the right path, and they know how critical that decision is going to be going forward. It's part of the reason why I think Lamar, as the days pass, Lamar Jackson becomes a little bit more enticing. Is that that's sort of that's an answer, and it's getting hard to find a real defined answer there. So uh, on offense, I think it's the, the general needs that we think it is. It's it's they've got to find a starting right guard and got to find a starting slot receiver and maybe some competition at left tackle. But I think the need that is that I didn't expect to, to be as glaring as it, as it is now as cornerback, where that just a year ago it looked like they, you know, Isaiah Rogers wasn't getting on the field at the start of the year, and it looked like they're super deep there. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you let one guy walk and you trade another, and, and the contract's beat up, and now – now they need three new starters by next year, potentially. So that's where they have to go hard after right now, I think. Yeah, I think corner, interior offensive line, potentially a swing tackle, certainly a pass catcher. I think all those are needs right now for the Colts, along with that backup quarterback. Again, Nate Atkins is with us here from the Indianapolis Star, covers the Colts alongside of Joel A. Erickson. Nate, throw out a draft kind of hypothetical. The Colts stay at four. Let's say Anthony Richardson somehow goes three. A team trades up. So it's either Will Levis or Will Anderson, the pass rusher from Alabama, and you trade back potentially into round one and get Hendon Hooker. What do you think the likelihood would be that Chris Ballard would entertain something along those lines of taking Will Anderson 
again, the defensive end from Bama, and then trying to get back into round one to get Hendon Hooker later. I think it's on the table, too. I'd probably see that as a 12 seed as well because it's one of these where the, the uh, you know, I, I absolutely think in a football sense that makes that makes potentially more sense than going after Will Levis. I mean, if he's a head and dozen sack guy for the next decade, that's obviously a position yeah. of major need. Yeah, you would get, you know, what is considered right now the best player in the draft. It was Jalen Carter and, and Will Anderson as of a few weeks ago, and obviously Jalen Carter for – uh, for some bad reasons, has really tumbled down. Will Anderson is about as clean of a prospect at a premium position as you're going to find. Now, and they did just... Nate, for just, those that don't know, I didn't mean to jump in, but for those that don't know, Jalen Carter apparently yesterday, this pro day, was overweight. He had to stop one of his drills because he was too you know, too worn out. So he is he's really falling, in addition to the off-field stuff, right? Yeah, and the off-field stuff being, you know, he's involved in the and a crash that killed uh, two members of the, the Georgia football program, and he's uh, he's facing some charges with that. So there's there's so many questions with him as far as kind of the individual you want to invest in and how much you want that baggage to just follow a guy immediately in the NFL. So by contrast, Will Anderson just looks even more like the guy in this in this draft. So uh, if you can get him at number four, you know they did just sign Samson Ebukam uh, to be sort of a, a – big-time pass rusher, but you can never have too many pass rushers, and this team has learned that the hard way, I think, a lot in, in recent years. So, there's a world where you can do that. I actually think Hendon Hooker, the more that I look into him, I think he's going to really connect well with everyone who's making a decision for the Colts, because when they everything they lay out about sort of the uh, the obsessive qualities they want in a quarterback, the professionalism, the, uh, the, the ultimate teammate, uh, the type of stuff that they used to have you know, in spades with Peyton Manning and Andrew Locke, I think Hennon Hooker fits that best because he's the oldest quarterback. You know, that's a knock on him with for other teams, but for for the Colts, they tend to value older prospects. They like the maturity coming into the league, and especially I think at quarterback, that that stuff counts even more. You know, what's tricky with that route, I think, though, is that uh, if they, it, it's just the uncertainty of getting him. If they take Will Anderson at four now. You're kind of sweating it out. We don't we don't know where Hennon Hooker's going to go. The the expectation is he's you know maybe a, a second round guy, maybe he's a late first guy because he has the ACL tear and he's older. But all it takes is some team like you know the Commanders who you know or the or the Falcons who want to find that long term quarterback to say you know we love Hennon and we're just going to take him and and ride with it. And then if that happens and it's if those top five quarterbacks are off the board, uh, then you're in a then you're in a tough spot where uh, where it's hard to hard to kind of solve that, but it's a ride you can go down because obviously passing on Will Levis at four leaves him out there too. There's all of a sudden two guys that you can potentially chase later. Uh, it's all none of this is is going to be easy on them. That was the route uh, that they chose by not training up. They saved the picks. They saved some valuable first rounders that can be very good, but they made the actual solving of the quarterback position harder, and so. You know, the, again, the more this goes on, I think certain options that uh, that didn't look as maybe as enticing a few weeks ago look more enticing. And Hennon Hooker is one of those where I just think in the interview process, uh, he's going to be able to show a lot because the the one other question with him is he's just an amazing player, but he's played in sort of a you know the Baylor style spread offense at Tennessee. It's a big scheme change. It's the sort of place that Patrick Mahomes was in, where he was a phenomenal college quarterback at. Uh, Texas Tech, but he was 
transitioning to an offense he hadn't done. And it's one of these where you don't want to punish a player for not doing what he was never asked to do if you feel like he has the capabilities to do it. In the interview process, they draw on whiteboards the, the workouts that he's going to do, the throws he's going to show. I think he has an opportunity. Uh, well, he's not going to throw uh, specifically for them, I should say, because he has the ACL tear. But the, the whiteboard sessions and the interviews and talking to people around him, I think uh, with their connections to the Tennessee program as well, I think that's going to come through and it's going to become more and more of an enticing option for them. And I think he's going to be closer rated on their board to, to Will Levis and, and Anthony Richardson than maybe we initially thought. Nate Atkins from the Indianapolis Star. He is procrastinating with his bracket, but that will be next on the agenda here as he tries to juggle that alongside the Colts and their free agency week, that is. Nate, thank you. Good luck with the bracket, and we'll probably talk to you next week. Yep. Thanks, guys.